Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Scott Guasco. This is episode 183 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Joined once again by Lucas Kaser, breaking down the AFC free agency recap. On Thursday, we'll do the NFC free agency recap. Before we get into that, it's been a while, man. We took all of last week off. Obviously, uh, there's a lot going on in the world entirely. Um, we have personal things going on, family things, work uh, uh, obstacles, to say the least. So um, we were not with you last week, but we have been keeping full track of free agency all around, um, the collective bargaining agreements, uh, conversations, trades, uh, everything going down in uh, the NFL and fantasy football we're bringing to you hot right now over the next couple of weeks and we're back in the swing of things before we get going though let's check in with lucas lucas how are you feeling amongst everything going on man uh where are you at i'm doing good i'm a postponed free agency recap but like you said we were it's not like i was not doing football or not thinking about football so i was keeping up um maybe you can see i got i got pretty fried and my skin's peeling all over so we'll power through it and uh i don't know i'm ready to to talk about this and then kind of turn the page and move on for next season Great, man. Likewise. And, uh, you know, just a quick heads up. I want to make sure that we're giving, giving, uh, you know, well, well blessings and everything to the people out there. And, uh, you know, sports was kind of created in the olden golden days as a distraction and entertainment in general. And we take this very seriously. Uh, you know, we're hopefully trying to, uh, make this somewhat of a, uh, income and things like that as well. But at the end of the day, man, there's much bigger things going on in the world. So, um, we're sending out uh, positive energy all around the globe and uh, hopefully to you and yours as well. So everybody listening, I hope you're doing well and uh, taking this seriously and taking care of yourself and each other. All right, man, let's jump into this. Let's try to uh, get the distraction rolling a little bit and, and jump into some fantasy football. We are going to dive into the AFC free agent recap here. Uh, we have separated these into chronological order by alphabetical. So um, this is not necessarily the order of importance or um, that we're putting any precedent on particular moves. This is simply an alphabetical order so that we can cover everybody uh, unbiasedly, I guess. And then again on Thursday, we will jump into the NFC side. Let's jump right into it, man. The Cincinnati Bengals franchise tag wide receiver A.J. Green at $18 million. Uh, No big surprise here. Uh, they had had a tough time coming to grips uh, the last couple of years on extensions. Um, he wants to be paid like one of the top wide receivers in the league, which he has been uh, for the last decade, but injuries have definitely caught up with him as of late. Uh, how do you feel about this, and do you think this changes anything with uh, the early talks that the Bengals are pretty much a surefire pick to go grab Joe Burrow um, with the number one pick in the NFL draft, or do you think they move down, try to capitalize otherwise on this move with AJ Green? Yeah, I'll start with like the overall uh, franchise tag first and then go into kind of the fantasy aspect of it. So obviously I think this is a great move for the Bengals to at least franchise tag, and they had enough cap to work with where it wasn't going to hurt them if they spent the money now, and then they can obviously trade him or whatever the case may be, maybe prove it deal and then go forward, um, see how the Joe Burrow, which I think it's locked in. I don't really think um, – I, I don't think they're going to be – I don't want to say dumb enough, but they're. I think they're pretty set in stone of just taking Burrow and being safe with it. Uh, with that being said, if A.J. Green is on the team, I do see a little bit of regression or more of a stability back on the – the fantasy point side for the rest of this team because last year we saw an uptake with points with Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate when he was healthy before he uh, got, I think he tore his ACL or got hurt or whatever the case may be. 
John Ross, the first couple of weeks, exploded off the charts, um, and Joe Mixon kind of suffered. So to start, Tyler Boyd, I think he's actually going to take a little bit of a, regress, a re- regression from last year. He, When you took the splits of him and A.J. Green, games in, he played with them, games without, he played with them. He saw 5.38 targets a game in games that he played with them, whereas games without him, 7.85 targets a game. And then you go back to last year where he saw 9.2 targets a game, and it didn't really turn into much. He was just kind of a safe wide receiver too, nothing too explosive to him or nothing too boom-bust to him. But you get A.J. Green back. Auden Tate will be coming back from the injury. John Ross should, but who knows if he's going to get re-injured again. I just think it might – this whole offense, I think, will improve from an overall football standpoint, but I think it will hurt the individual fantasy players. Um, obviously, Joe Burrow will see an uptick if A.J. Green is there – or not an uptick if you've never seen him play, I guess, in the NFL. But he'll be an okay – fantasy quarterback I think but I think Mixon is really the only one that ultimately benefits from this um it would just draw more defenders out of the box but I think if AJ Green is there I think we need to temper our expectations with the individual fantasy value of all three maybe four receivers for this Bengals team I agree with you and I actually I'm a huge AJ Green fan have been uh, all of his career he's one of my favorite players in the league in general uh, but unfortunately he has been hit with that injury bug lately and um the issue that we bring up on this podcast a lot is all of his injuries are lower body, which is certainly an issue. And, and th- he's 31 now. There's nothing to say that he can't, unfortunately, hit another snag. But I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, Joe Burrow coming in as a rookie certainly has upside. And we all know that what the talent could be, but we see this every single draft. So we don't know what he's going to actually be. Totally agree with you. Joe Mixon's already, you know, a top 10 running back, I think, across the board, uh, but certainly a first rounder, in my opinion, with AJ Green coming back um, and then focusing uh, a little bit more on the pass there. And then Tyler Boyd and John Ross, I agree with you, uh, could be, you know, so-so. We'll see what actually happens there. But either way, I think the Bengals are kind of a sneaky team with bringing back AJ Green healthy, getting that O-line healthy, and then hopefully uh, Joe Burrow can make it happen. So I like the Bengals a lot. And in two years, I think the Bengals are going to start surprising some people. So AJ Green franchise tag, $18 million for the Bengals. Let's move down to the Bills. This is the first trade that we're going to cover here. The Bills trade for Vikings receiver Stephon Diggs and a seventh-round pick. I'll just run through the entire trade, and we'll get your feedback here. The Bills receive Stephon Diggs and that seventh-round pick, and the Vikings get back a first round, a fifth round, a sixth round, and next year's fourth round pick. This is how you make a trade happen for the wide receivers. We'll get into another wide receiver trade that was not as fruitful for both teams um, on the next podcast. But really, this was uh, this is a good move, I think, um, for both sides. Uh, why don't you jump in here? Stephon Diggs, now a Buffalo Bill. Yeah, I think the trade for both sides, I think, was perfect, right spot on. Uh, like you said, we'll talk about another one um, in two days. You're hearing this on Tuesday. Thursday, you'll hear the other trade, which, I mean, it's DeAndre Hopkins' trade. We'll talk about that as it comes to it. I think the Bills did a fantastic job of moving that first-round pick where they were probably going to get a receiver to take a receiver that's better than any of the guys they would have drafted at that spot. Obviously, there was more attached with the picks they had to throw in, but the team's well-rounded enough to where they could lose two or three later-round picks and still benefit from having digs. Um, so I think it – both sides, fantastic move. Fantasy value, though, for Diggs, I think it's kind of getting a little bit of an overreaction to what actually will happen for Diggs's, um stock, per se. Um, he, I don't want to compare it to the Odell situation last year because I think it's a little bit different, but I think you have to kind of look at it as, in terms of market share, obviously you still have John Brown, you still have Cole Beasley there. 
Josh Allen is going to run the ball. This team is a run first team. Singletary is still there. They're obviously in the market for another running back because they put in bids for Melvin Gordon and they've been mocked plenty of times running backs. So I think we just need to slow down with the stock up a little bit. I don't want to say it's stock's going to go down, but I just think he's going to be sitting right around that wide receiver two range. I don't really see a, uh, a big jump to him being a wide receiver one. I, I have a couple, like, just some numbers to kind of break it down. So we had a 22% target share last year on the Vikings and a target quality, which is just targets divided – or, yeah, targets divided by reception. So obviously you want a lower number because you want, like, a one-to-one ratio of a 1.48. Whereas John Brown and Cole Beasley were sitting right around the 1.58 and 1.60 uh, target quality numbers. So obviously they took a little more targets to get a reception, which obviously means uh, more inaccurate throws. So Diggs will be seeing less accurate throws from Josh Allen. Obviously that can improve through the offseason. But as of now, that's what we know. Josh Allen's a very um, – non-accurate I guess I don't want to say super inaccurate but he's just not as accurate as uh, Kirk Cousins would be but then John Brown and Cole Beasley also had a 26 and a 23 percent target share so you can't just slide in x amount of targets for digs without taking that into account so to me I just think we need to stock neutral for him for now until we see I don't know I don't really know what we're going to wait and see because I think he's just going to slide in as that one but that means he's going to be drawing number one corners whereas Beasley's going to be still underneath, and I think Brown will still be that deep target. So I think ultimately I think it'll be better for Diggs' long haul in the career, but I think for this upcoming year, I think we just need to stay, stay neutral on Diggs and don't overreact too much. I agree across the board, man. I think, honestly, the uh, Odell Beckham uh, comparison is exactly what I thought about when I heard the news as well. I think that's spot on, actually. Um, set, you know, Well, third year – a quarterback at this point, but nonetheless, a young quarterback. Um, obviously, Baker with uh, with um, Odell. I think the difference is here, though, that Josh Allen does have the cannon, and he increased uh, significantly in accuracy last year. I know he's still you know rough around the edges, but he'll be just fine. I think the fact that he's also able to escape the pocket quite a bit. Uh, Baker has mobility too, but Josh Allen's just another level. I think has the ability to make big plays. Um, one thing you brought up though is Kirk Cousins, who I'm not a super huge fan of personally, but he is quite accurate. Um, and I think this kind of levels out Stephon Diggs. One thing I want fa- uh, fantasy players to be aware of in these kind of situations, we see it all the time. Odell was hurt in the second half last year, so we don't know what's going to happen um, necessarily with him and Baker. But we see pretty much in every scenario of a wide receiver coming over to a new quarterback and a new scheme and whatnot, um, it takes time no matter what, especially this year. The reality is with the coronavirus and everything happening, a lot of things are pushed back, if not canceled entirely. So off seasons are going to be much, much more different than they've ever been in the NFL and not having that extra time for Diggs and Allen to really connect uh, on a personal level, but also just in the the football scheme of things, running routes, feeling each other out, I think will affect him. I'm fading Diggs in rankings early um, because I just think it's going to take half a season no matter what for him to catch on. However, he is, he is definitely a trade target in the second half of the season, I think, um, and certainly a dynasty buy maybe after he potentially struggles in the first couple of weeks in Buffalo. I think people are going to be hyped on him like they were with Odell. I don't think he's going to hit that ceiling that people expect. They're going to get frustrated. I think you could buy him for cheap. And in the second half of the season, and certainly in year two next year, I think that's going to be awesome. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. And John Brown and um, – and uh, Cole Beasley, again, are kind of who they are at this point. But I, I think that 
that happens. I do think this helps Josh Allen a ton, and I think it helps David Singletary as well. So love those guys quite a bit. All right, let's move on to uh, – well, this one hits home for you a little bit here. Uh, obviously, the, the house Broncos fan. Um, Broncos have signed uh, previously the enemy uh, – Running back Melvin Gordon, two years, $16 million, $13.5 million guaranteed. Um, I'll just let you take this one right off the bat here. Yeah, I don't – I mean, okay, it's a good, overall football, it's a good move, I think, is what the Broncos wanted to happen. They wanted to run a Philip Lindsay uh, and another running back tandem because I obviously the Royce Freeman hasn't been working, I guess. I mean, like, it hasn't been bad, but it just hasn't – it's not what they wanted it to be. From a fantasy perspective, I don't really know how to evaluate this yet. I was like looking at numbers, trying to to figure out kind of how I felt about it. But until we really know what Lindsay's role is going to be, um, which I think it's going to be more of an Austin Eckler, Kamara type role coming forward or going forward, I I think we just need to kind of wait on Melvin Gordon. I don't want to because I could see an outcome where he is still in the same role that he had with the Chargers, but I could also see it where it's a 50-50 share, and he just takes over Royce Freeman's role. So I don't really know um, kind of the, the outlook for him for the next season for fantasy. But I think if the Broncos do transition to Lindsey taking 10 carries in the receiving work and Gordon taking 15 to 20 carries with five receptions or targets a game, I think that he would be a safe RB2, especially for a team that's going to transition to a zone run downfield stretching offense. That'll only benefit Melvin Gordon because he will have less guys in the box, more focus on um, defending the pass and the receiving game. So I think it will ultimately benefit him. But I, like I said, I'm just going to wait and see what the the rumors are about Lindsay and kind of how that split's going to go before I make an overall decision. I agree with you. And, uh, man, I love me some Royce Freeman. Um, of course, my, my uh, Oregon Duck bias, but I just think he's a – really quality running back who can a catch out of the backfield. He can definitely uh, get the short yardage. He can be an early down back and he can do goal line things. Obviously he's been somewhat outperformed or equally performed by Philip Lindsay uh, in Denver before all this. Um, again, NFL sense. I think this is a great move for the Broncos fantasy. It's a pain in the ass for sure. Yeah. Um, I think one of those guys moves. I think everybody's kind of talking about, they've got to be moving on from Lindsay or Freeman. Why would you have, three super quality running backs unless and you're kind of the uh, Bronco insider here on the podcast if you will unless um, the Broncos are going to look more to like a, a, a 49ers uh, Ravens Seahawks uh, Titans type offense um, where it's run early and run often and kind of just protect Drew Locke to perform on play action third downs yeah. and get more of a, a Ryan Tannehill type scheme. Uh, do you think that's possible where all three of these running backs would be awesome to have in the stable? And I think that's where the, the issue comes up because that would make sense to where it is, but we did just get Pat Shermer and I'm going to pull up my article. I wrote about the moves in it. I have the run pass splits on there, but it would, wouldn't make any, it's tough because Gordon doesn't fit that. Like, um, I don't want to say ground and pound because that's not the word for it, but he doesn't fit that like, rotational piece where you're going to give him three carries and he's going to turn that into 50 yards. I mean, like he's just a very, he is like a running back that will be the main running back. Like Raheem Moster, you can give him 10 carries. He'll turn that into 80 yards. Same with Brita, same with Jeff Wilson. If you're just talking about the 49ers. So it's very confusing to say the least. Um, I got his run pass splits for Pat Shermer up here. The last two years, he passed the ball 64% of the time. 
uh, as the Giants OC and then I think interim head coach, if I remember right, for a little right. bit. Mm-hmm. So I want to answer it with no, because four years ago it was 62% in Minnesota and then 54% three years ago. I just don't think that's what they're going to do. Um, They obviously got um, Graham uh, Glass now to replace McGovern. They're being mocked a a receiver at 15 a ton. So I think think one of them is going to get traded. To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if it is Lindsey. I think he would have more trade value. Uh, it makes sense. Take your undrafted guy and cash in your check while you can before having to pay him and just keep cycling running backs. But I don't know. I don't, I don't, I didn't really rush the conclusions right when it happened. Cause I think I'm as, I'm confused as everyone else. And I, I follow the Broncos pretty closely. And if I'm confused, I feel like there's something missing there that we don't know about. If all three running backs are, on the roster come August in fantasy football draft season, what are you doing with, are you fading them all? Are you hoping to get value? Are you passing on say Gordon Lindsay and grabbing Freeman in the 10th round, like an old school Camaro situation? Um, how do you feel about this backfield as of right now for fantasy drafting? I think if they're all three there and it seems like it's going to be kind of a, uh, go win your snaps, equal, equal opportunity. I think you just have to take the cheapest one. It's kind of like the Patriots philosophy for tons of years. You'd always just take one of the three or four cheapest ones and just hope it works out. Because if it does, you got yourself a flex player, RB2. Um, but ultimately, if there is three of them, I think the, the percentage of leagues I'm in, it'd be pretty high that I won't have any. Um, it's not, I don't want to have three running backs for a team that's going to th- run the ball only on like 36 to 40% of the time. 100%, just like the 49ers. Um, but again, the 49ers backfield for fantasy was a pain in the ass. But if you happen to start the proper guy, uh, you know, somebody's going to score two or three touchdowns a week and rush for 100 yards. You're just not sure who it's going to be at a given point. So I agree. Uh, really quick, a dynasty thought on this. Um, this is dynasty season. This is where you can start picking up guys, making trades before everything goes down. Are you targeting any one of those running backs right now in a trade? Primarily Lindsey and, and or Freeman in the hopes or the thought that one of them gets traded and you can buy them cheap right now? Mm, I, I think Lindsay would probably be the one just because I think no matter what, he, if he gets traded, he's going to be traded for a reason. The team's going to pay for him to use him, but the Broncos aren't just going to like not use him anymore. Um, obviously he's been a pro bowler's first year, thousand yard rusher, undrafted free agent, Colorado guy. Um, he's going to be on the team and getting the same amount of work he got last year or he's going to be somewhere else getting even more work. So I think Lindsay's probably the one I would target. Um, but if you can get Melvin Gordon cheap, I wouldn't be against it because obviously they signed him for a reason too. They're going to give him the ball. Um, I think Freeman's the only one where I would just be a little hesitant because who's to say that he would even be a – like even if he got traded, who's to say that he would receive the work for the trade you're going to give for him? I want Royce Freeman to go to the Chiefs bad. I think that would be baller. It would be in division, I get it, but obviously they just did this with Melvin Gordon, the Chargers. Yeah. Royce Freeman to the to the Chiefs would be awesome. He wouldn't do anything for the first half of the season, but Damian Williams would go down in week six like he always does. Royce can crush, and in that offense, he can catch the ball. He can work all three downs. They use one running back. Mm, I think that's a perfect uh, – Perfect slot for Royce Freeman specifically if he were to move on. All right, Broncos sign Melvin Gordon. Big move here. Two years, $60 million. Overall, 13 and a half guaranteed. 
Let's move down the block here. We go to the Browns. The Browns made a couple of moves here. They were quite busy, actually, in day one. Uh, I'll rattle off all three of them, and we'll kind of just focus on Austin Hooper. So the Browns signed tight end Austin Hooper from the Falcons, four years, $44 million. Uh, they also signed right tackle Jack Conklin, three years, $42 million. We don't talk about offensive line almost ever in fantasy football. However, I think this is a huge move uh, for the Browns of what they're trying to do and what they've lacked the last two years, keeping Baker upright. And lastly, um, pretty irrelevant, but just to mention, Browns signed quarterback Case Keenum from the Redskins, three years, $18 million, just in case Baker either doesn't perform or gets hurt. Let's uh, circle back up to the top here, um, Austin Hooper. Four years, $44 million, 23 guaranteed. Uh, obviously, now he is the highest paid tight end in the NFL. Um, his stats have grown year over year with his four years with the Falcons, setting career highs across the board. And um, this is a great move for the Browns on paper, minus the fact uh, that they still have David Njoku, who lost last year to injury, but was certainly on the same up, you know, um, uh, ascending trajectory yeah. in general. He's, he's a hell of a player, great athlete. Um, I wonder if they're going to keep both. Maybe they'll trade in Joku eventually. We're not sure yet. For now, let's talk about Austin Hooper. Well, they, they are all good signings, but the Browns still seem to amaze me. Um, they, they said they're going to go analytics-based. That's what Stefanski wanted to do. And when you take a front offense and move towards analytics based, you don't just go out and spend all your money as much as you can. You look for opportunities to spend lower money to get same production, and they didn't do any of that. They didn't hesitate to go get Conklin. However, I think Conklin was well-deserved in what he got paid. I think that's, that was what they needed to do. They needed to get that um, Joe Thomas O-lineman back. I'm not saying he's as good as he is, but I think they needed to get that back. Austin Hooper, yes, it doesn't make any sense that they have Njoku, but if you look back at Stefanski's um, last two years with the Vikings, he ran, or even just last year, I think it's probably more um, indicating with what they, what he will do this year. They actually, they drafted Irv Smith last year. Kyle Rudolph was going to be shipped out the door and then got signed to an extension before the season, so obviously they wanted him there. They ran two tight end sets, 53% of the time with the 43% success rate in those sets. So to me, they're not going to trade Njoku unless they get a really good offer. They're going to run these two tight end sets because they need to. They need to have as much people protecting Baker as they can. They are a mm-hmm. run first team. They need to generate more pass run blocking for Nick Chubb. Cream Hunt's still back on the team as of now. Um, they put a second round tender on him. I don't think any team, unless the Buccaneers come knocking, I don't think any team is going to pay that up, which I think is a good thing. I think keep him around as long as you can perfect change of pace for Nick Chubb. So I think overall, I think it's a good move. I just don't think they needed to spend the money on Austin Hooper, but for fantasy value, I think this has to knock Hooper way down compared to last year. He's not going to see a 19% market share on a run first team with Odell, Landry, Hunt, Chubb, Najoku, even a third receiver sprinkled in there. I'm not, I don't think Higgins is back on the team, but they, they like to have another third like deep threat guy. Um, And that's just the way it is. I mean, he could obviously score 10 plus touchdowns and be a top five tight end. And I could look dumb saying this right now, but he's not going to see that he's not going to be the Austin Hooper he was last year. But overall, I think this is what the Browns need to do to maybe take that next big step. Um, but their defense is still kind of limited. So I don't know if it's really going to translate right away. Um, I, it's just, it's very interesting. Uh, let me go out and get paid Case Keenum. 
which I think is a good move. But I don't know where Case Keenan was um, getting three years, 18 million. I don't know what he said to get that much money. <laughs> like, like the Broncos got Jeff Driscoll. Why don't just go get Jeff Driscoll instead of Case Keenum? Like, what's the difference? Like, you, you're not planning on Baker getting hurt. So, I don't – it just doesn't – the whole analog space and then the way they spent the money doesn't really make any sense. But I think it's a, all three good football moves. And it might be really, really bad fantasy moves. But I think Baker will see an uptick – if they stick to the two tight end sets. I'm going to run down my fantasy stock really quick for the Browns here. I've got an uptick for Baker for sure with Austin Hooper coming in just another weapon in general. I think this helps the running backs, both po- uh, pass blocking and also having another weapon. I think uh, Landry and Odell are probably going to remain the same. Um, do you disagree with any of that? I think they, yeah, I think they would remain neutral because I think Hooper's going to take the middle of the field. Najoku will be that Irv Smith-ish um, player. Stretcher, sure. Yeah, like I don't really know because they're both kind of similar tight ends in the way they run. Odell's still going to see the 25 to 26% market share. Landry at about 23, 24. Chubb's still going to get his 20 carries a game. Hunt's going to see his like six, seven targets. So I don't think anything – there's no way their stocks can go up, I think. But I don't think – I think it's just right about the same, maybe a little bit down for – um, I, I mean, for all of them, but not by much. All right. And uh, you did make the mention, I should have uh, brought it up at the top of uh, the, the Browns conversation, but they do bring in head coach Kevin Stefanski. We're going to have kind of a head coach, uh, coaching coordinator move episode later on in the season when everything shakes out. But that is a big one. Uh, and obviously you can think of the Browns scheme now as the Vikings were last year. Mm-hmm. Of course, Stefanski was there. And of course, we know what that means for the running backs. Um, but, you know, I think uh, having Baker Mayfield is more of a game manager, if you will, certainly uh, um, similar to Kirk Cousins, but able to stretch the ball down the field when they need it, playing off of play action, I think will help Baker in general. I think it will help the Browns team overall. But I agree with you. I think this is a slight tick down, maybe across the board. Uh, but in football sense, I think it's a, a smart move. So the Browns busy on day one here. They signed a tight end. Austin Hooper from the Falcons. They get Jack Conklin, who just paved the way for Derrick Henry for a couple of years in Tennessee, and they bring Case Keenum, who keeps getting uh, paid to be a, a four-game-a-year backup, which is pretty impressive. Let's move over to the Chargers. They franchise tag Hunter Henry at $10.6 million. This, I thought, uh, was a smart move, again, football sense. Um, but interesting for fantasy because we don't know what's going to happen there at quarterback. And again, another offensive line mentioned just because uh, they signed right tackle Brian Balaga uh, from the Packers for three years, 30 million. Um, just, I think, extra assurance on that offensive line and veteran leadership for either a rookie um, quarterback or uh, Tyrod Taylor, as long as he can last here. But let's talk about uh, tight end Hunter Henry, who stays in Los Angeles. Yeah, to start off, the Chargers, I think, they're making fantastic moves. Um, trading Russell Okun to get nine years younger and better at O-line for Trey Turner. Brian Belaga is a huge uh, uptick in their tackles from what they had last year. I think they all had, like, lower than 60 grades on PFF. They're in a prime spot to add either another tackle just to shore up that offensive line, and they are more than comfortable with having Tyrod as their quarterback. They've made that obvious. Um, for Hunter Henry – no matter who the quarterback is, I don't think we can really say stock up or down because Tyrod, we never saw him have a tight end like Hunter Henry in Buffalo or the little bit uh, he was in Cleveland. And if you get a rookie, you can't make assumptions because, I mean, we've never seen the rookie throw the ball in the NFL. 
So I think Hunter Henry has to be neutral. I mean, he has to be like stock down if we're talking about what happens right now. But I think he just has to be the tight end six, seven in your rankings solely based off talent and opportunity that he might have. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to gauge because ultimately, no matter what quarterback comes in, Keenan Allen's going to see the majority of the targets. Mike Williams is going to get the deep threat targets. And Hunter Henry's just going to be that three and a half to four behind Austin Eckler, no matter really what quarterback comes in. And I'm not really big on the, oh, it's a rookie quarterback. He's going to look down to the running back in the middle of the field analysis because, I mean, what if he doesn't? Like, I mean, like the quarterback just might not like that. So it's, it's interesting, but I love the moves the Chargers are making. And the franchise tag allows them to do a lot of things, an extension, see you the next year if you don't like him or trade him if they're – maybe you find someone else that you want to go after next year. So I think it's a great move uh, fantasy wise. Yet again, I don't really know how to evaluate it because there's no quarterback attached to him uh, with a history of tight end success. Yeah. So a quick point on that. Tyrod Taylor did have Charles Clay back in Buffalo a few years ago. Um, nothing super crazy, but he was over about 550 per year, uh, had three, four, five, six touchdowns. Um, so, you know, can, can make it happen, but you know, Tyrod's definitely that dual threat kind of read one, read two, run. Uh, so he'll be fine. Um, and honestly, he was okay for the Browns uh, before he got hurt. I think it was a Thursday night game. Baker came in, saved the day against the Jets, won the first game for the Browns in like 11 years or whatever, and uh, the rest is history. And uh, Tyrod was kicked out. But I think he'll be just fine in the meantime, even if they do draft somebody to give him the time. For Hunter Henry, I like him a lot, but this is a smart move to franchise tag him because, again, with the injury history for Hunter Henry – um, this gives the Chargers basically a season to just like see what happens. And if he plays all season and he looks great like he did last year, then he could be just fine. If he has another hiccup, they're going to cut bait with him pretty easily. Uh, Hunter Henry did set single season career highs last year in receptions at 55, receiving yards 652. And um, he had an overall 11, almost 12 yards per catch average with five touchdowns. So he could definitely get it done. Um, it's just a matter of staying healthy for him. And I think that's a great, uh, great call with uh, Russell Kuhn moving on as well for Trey Turner. I think that's a smart mention there as well. So again, for fantasy football, we don't draft and we don't play with offensive line players. So you're never going to have them on your roster or anything, but I think it's a responsibility for us uh, to mention shit like that because it matters a for the run game. uh, If they're a big bowl uh, that can, that can move the pile, but also uh, to protect that quarterback. um, It's important to to let you know when those moves have been made. So a great mention on Trey Turner. And again, uh, Brian Balaga, who uh, has basically been saving Aaron Rodgers' ass for his entire career in, in green Bay there. So chargers franchise tag Hunter Henry, let's move on to the Colts, who sign Phillip Rivers to one-year, $25 million. Uh, this one wasn't too surprising. I think this is one of the first predictions that came out across the board. When he moved his whole family to Florida early after the uh, season ended, a lot of people thought it was going to be Tampa Bay. I made a prediction when we were talking about fan, uh, free agent predictions that it might be Jacksonville. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, we thought about maybe Miami, but they need a rookie uh, quarterback as well. So, anyway, he settles in. With the Colts, um, who as of right now still have Jacoby Brissett on the roster as well, I'm not sure that this is an upgrade from Jacoby Brissett, to be honest with you. Um, I actually thought that the fantasy footballers, Mike and Jason, had a really interesting conversation about this. Uh, Mike thinks this is a huge upgrade on Jacoby Brissett, and Jason feels exactly the opposite. So I thought it was interesting to hear their takes. I'm curious, Lucas, how do you feel about this? I 
think this is kind of a lateral move uh, for them and a stopgap on a one-year option. I'm not really sure what this is about outside of maybe the overall career pedigree of Philip Rivers over Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, so um, obviously if you listen to the podcast for a while, you know I'm a big Chris Ballard guy, just the way he runs that team, the way he has ran it. If I remember right, they traded Philip Dorsett for Jacoby Brissett. I, I, I think that was the trade. With New there's England rumor, a couple years ago. Yep. There's rumors that Brissett might be going back to New England, which I don't think that'd be out of the picture. There's rumors that he might go somewhere else. I think mm-hmm. in total, Brissett's gone to me. Mm-hmm. I think this is a big move for the Colts because name the last time Rivers has had a good O-line to play behind, Oof. to throw to his stacked weapons around him. He's never had – I mean, he, he has had one, but not in the recent years that I can remember. Obviously, he's aging. He's not as good, not as mobile as he was. But if you put him behind one of the league's best offensive lines with two very competent running backs, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, Zach Paschal, most likely another receiver, Jack Doyle, they, uh, Mo Alley-Cox, I don't remember if they got him back. But to me, I think this is a huge – obviously, it's one year. So, obviously, he's retiring after this. Like, he wouldn't sign a one year to be a free agent again next year. It's not going to happen. He got his money, what he wanted. I think this is a perfect fit for the Colts in normal football. And I think in fantasy, I'm not saying Rivers is going to be like a QB one in fantasy, but I think the other assets on that team are going to thrive. Um, On your stocks, you have Mac neutral, Naeem Hines upgrade, T.Y. Hilton neutral, Pascal upgrade, Doyle upgrade. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I honestly think like everyone's kind of an upgrade just because they're going to get a consistent quarterback with veteran presence that's going to know what to do when it comes to he's going to have more of an authority in the personnel sets, how they're going to run it. Um, Cause I feel like the last couple of years, the Colts have been a little off balance in terms of how they're using Naeem Hines overusing Marlon Mack, uh, et cetera, using Paris Campbell, all those guys. So I'm, I'm really excited for this Rivers signing. I think um, I mentioned before the Colts are in a win now mode. And I think this is a huge move to not have to worry about getting a quarterback in the first round. And then they went and traded 13 for a D lineman, that's probably better than most D linemen in this draft, except for Chase Young probably, but maybe even better than Chase Young. So I think they're making good moves to go make a run at the title this year. I like it. And that's a great, uh, that's a great, you know, uh, contradiction to where, where my head was at. And I was, <laughs> I think it's smart that you preface it with Jacoby Brissett probably leaving town. And again, uh, back in the day, it was Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett, obviously. Not the, neither. The, well, right. Yeah, no, it's none of them. Um, but I think it it is not out of the question for them. They only have Jared Stidham uh, right now as a real option uh, and Cody Kessler, which isn't going to happen. Um, but they could potentially go back to Jacoby Brissett, who's at least familiar with Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick and the Patriot way and everything else. Uh, and he could be, you know, a stopgap as they move forward and transition out of Tom Brady. I think that's a great call. For Phillip Rivers, I just – I just don't think he's very good. I understand the offensive line. He hasn't really had that since the Ladanian Tomlinson days. Um, unfortunately, his guys have been hurt. Keenan Allen's been hurt. Uh, Mike Williams has been hurt. Uh, Hunter Henry's obviously been hurt. Antonio Gates was half of himself for the last five years of his career. So it's really interesting to see what happens with Rivers. But uh, he struggled last year in the tight end and interception or excuse me tight end touchdown and interception departments throwing just 23 touchdowns which was his lowest since 2007 and 20 interceptions which was the third most in the NFL nearly doubling his marks from the previous two years 
So worried about that. He still threw for 5,600 yards because the Chargers were constantly behind and he was playing Madden for the second half of every game where he just threw the shit out of the ball. Um, I also just don't think he has the weapons. I don't think that Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines are Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler from last year. Um, Jack Doyle, I think, is fine. and He'll be a nice sleeper in fantasy, but he's not Hunter Henry when healthy either. Um, and I just don't think the receivers are Mike Williams and uh, Keenan Allen personally. So I think overall this is a downgrade. I don't disagree with the move necessarily if they're planning to get rid of Jacoby Brissett and make another move there for the Colts. And you're right. It's a one-year one uh, window, I think, here two max uh here so we'll see what happens but i think that's a great call that jacoby Brissett could also be on the move so another quarterback gone the colts have signed philip rivers to one year 25 million let's get into the dolphins here uh this was a surprising signing i thought running back jordan howard two years um north of 10 million according to adam schefter we do not have that exact number yet unless anybody else does go ahead and leave a comment and let me know uh, if i missed that but um again Football move, I get it. Fantasy, not super stoked. Um, Howard's career production has been trending downward. His rookie year, 2016, 1,300 yards and six touchdowns. 2017, 1,109. Last year, 909. In, um, uh, in, oh, excuse me, last year, 506 in 10 games. So every year of his four-year career, he's been trending down, unfortunately. Um, not a lot of competition there in Miami, of course. Uh, so he will be the early downs back at least, but he's just not not a dual threat running back. Um, so in fantasy, I'm not excited at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be like a maybe a deep flex league. He might run in, I don't know, nine, ten touchdowns. Um, he's ran in nine twice and six twice last year in ten games. He had six. They're ultimately going to add a running back probably in round two to be determined who that is. It's going to be more of an elusive back. Howard is going to get. 20, I'd say 15 to 20 carries a game, which I think is a good. I think it's a good move now because I think I'm part of the the believer that you need to build the key pieces of the offense before you insert a quarterback and a running back into that team. Um, I mean, it's a little bit biased, but the Broncos are start started to do that post Trevor Simeon. They built up the O line a bit, getting some veterans in there, trying Garrett Bowles. That obviously didn't work, but it was a good. It was a good. You had to try that. You build in the receiver with Sutton. Deshaun Hamilton, you add some corners, some defensive, and then you insert Philip Lindsay and Drew Locke. You have to, and a ton of teams do it too. You have to, like the Colts do it. They're still doing it. They're building around to wait to bring in that one rookie quarterback. Obviously, Andrew Luck retired, but they they are still doing that. They didn't abandon ship and just start rebuilding. So I think it's a good move as of now. He'll give you good enough production to continue to build and then say they get DeAndre Swift. He'll take over two years or three years, whatever the case may be. Uh, fantasy value, though, like a 13th, 14th round pick, kind of like what he was, what he should have been last year or what he kind of returned value in last year. Fair enough. In uh, non-PPR leagues, he definitely gains more value, of course, but he just doesn't just doesn't catch the ball. He's not a factor in the pass game. So Jordan Howard moving on to Miami, uh, another team for him in just three years, um, two years, about $10 million there for the Dolphins. Let's move on to the Raiders. The Raiders are also busy. They've got three moves we're going to talk about here real quick. Um, most recently, uh, Nelson Aguilar, wide receiver from Philadelphia, to a one-year contract. They also brought in uh, Jason Witten for a one-year contract, um, about $5 million from Dallas, of course. And then my boy Marcus Mariota finally gets out of Tennessee and gets another chance in Oakland. Um, 
not a lot of fantasy relevance at all for either one of these guys. Uh, but let's maybe just quickly blaze through our thoughts here. Let's start with um, Marcus Mariota. I'm biased, of course, another uh, another uh, duck legend. Um, and I just think he's got a, a shitty first half of his career because of injuries and uh, getting surplanted with Tannehill, which, of course, wasn't a bad move. We saw what happened there, so I'm not knocking Tannehill or the Titans for that at all. He was unproductive. But not a lot of weapons in Tennessee either on a run first team. I don't see an upgrade necessarily with the Raiders, per se, in their offense, but I do like Marcus to get a second chance. And I think he's every bit of – Derek Carr personally, uh, when healthy. Um, do you think, uh, if Marcus takes over, do you think he has any value in Oakland or Las Vegas? The offensive line actually is really good. I don't remember what their exact ranking was last year. They're in a prime spot to add a receiver, Darren Waller, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro. I, I like the move just in terms of a free agency standpoint, you got to bring in some competition for Carr. He got too comfortable with, I don't even know what, um, made him comfortable he didn't he had kind of an MVP season but I was besides the point and then the Raiders got here and signed Nelson Aguilar and Jason Witten that they, they made a lot of moves just none of them were necessary at all like Nelson Aguilar <laughs> I'm sure if he's going to be like your fourth fifth receiver like cool whatever Give him he'll probably be in the three because they don't have anybody else they're probably going to draft I would think they're going to get one of Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb with their pick at 12 I believe Tyrell Williams Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and they have Foster Moreau, and now they got Jason Witten, which sucks because I know he's going to take targets away from Darren Waller. Like you don't, he wouldn't have stayed around and like not take targets. And I don't know why he would have signed with. The, I don't. It makes zero sense. Um, not really any fantasy changes. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, like if Mariota takes over, he could maybe be a streamer just because he can run the ball a little bit. But besides that, I don't see anything to change with the Raiders. Yeah, I agree. I don't like the Jason Witten move at all. Um, I think he's just kind of a good clubhouse guy for for the Raiders coming in. Um, of course, he took over for John Gruden uh, in the Monday Night Crew. Um, I just think that's a veteran leadership move for him uh, for whatever reason. Nelson Aguilar, not excited about that. Um, I think there could have been better landing spots for him for a weapon, uh, but nonetheless, we'll see what happens. I do think Mariota takes over for Carr. Um, either via skill or injury. Uh, hopefully I don't wish injuries on anybody, but um, I do think if uh, Mariota gets another chance and he can stay healthy, that he'll be, uh, he'll be just, um, just fine. So um, let's get into uh, the Steelers. We got just a couple more here. Um, Steelers bring in another tight end here, Eric Ebron, two years, 12 million. Uh, I think a good move in general because Vance can't stay healthy but this was really surprising to me personally just because I thought that the, the Steelers are kind of all in uh, on Vance McDonald. And, again, their whole season was lost last year when Big Ben went down and uh, everybody had their own injuries. So Steelers just get kind of a wash for 2019. Coming into 2020, bringing in Eric Ebron I think is, uh, I think is a big move, again, fantasy-wise. Um, but unless they get rid of Vance McDonald, I don't know that – Eric Ebron is going to be a huge factor. If you dial the clock way back uh, to uh, Heath um, Miller, uh, their their longtime tight end for the Steelers, he was quite productive in fantasy, but kind of just a you know a tight end twelve every single year. He was never necessarily going to be that top five guy. Um, Eric Ebron is certainly more athletic than uh, you know Heath ever was, but um, I'm just not sure that that offense 
uses the tight end that way outside of some big plays. So interesting move, but I'm not crazy about it either way here with uh, Ebron going to the Steelers. Yeah, it's tough to like gauge anything just because Big Ben, who knows? I mean, if you saw the picture of his beard on Twitter, whatever. Hey, I, I love a beard, bro, so I'm, I'm not hating on a beard. It's just like – there's no way that man is ready to play football again. Like you just look at him and it's like, like it, it makes no sense. Um, I mean, it's a good signing. Take another chance. He is young. Maybe he puts up 10 touchdowns. Maybe, I don't know. I think it's more of just uh, solidifying the weapons on the offense to, like I said, bring in a quarterback if big Ben's not the answer. Cause they are pretty set at offense. I think maybe a more consistent running back, but they do have a good core. Uh, their defense is stacked. So I, we'll see kind of how the, quarterback situation plays out and but maybe Ebron could resurface a bit just because he would kind of be the 2A option with Deontay Johnson I think uh, after Juju yeah I agree I, I just I am I'm worried about the Steelers in general I was super hyped on Juju last year before Big Ben got hurt I'm worried about it James Conner they're going to be interesting in the draft too, because I can see them picking up a receiver. I can see them moving up. Uh, they definitely need to kind of rebolster that um, that defense a little bit, which was better down the stretch. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Steelers are going to do. And again, with Big Ben, I mean, he contemplated retirement a couple of years ago. They have a one or two year window as well, so I'm a little concerned about that. We've got just a couple more uh, to get through here. That was uh, Eric Ebron going to the Steelers. Um, we've got obviously the the big Texans trade um there's more to break down on this one and we're getting long in the tooth on this episode so we're going to actually move this entire conversation to thursday's episode when we break down the nfc um obviously we will mention that the texans traded for cardinals running back david johnson for a second and a fourth round pick and um obviously new copkins goes to arizona for a fourth round pick we're going to break that down in, in length on the next episode. So I'm going to skip over that particular trade. However, let's move down to another Texans move, uh, which was Randall Cobb. Um, three years, $27 million. Of course, he definitely does not replace DeAndre Hopkins by any means. Um, however, do you think this is a, a decent move here for the Texans who now have Will Fuller, who is incredible when he plays, but if he plays, Kenny Stills and um, uh, Kiki QT potentially – there's just no uh, no fireworks left in Houston, in my opinion, and and you know getting Randall Cobb just didn't necessarily make sense. I I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson. Like, <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah, Randall Cobb. I I honestly think it might be he might be a good fantasy um, asset for a couple of years. To be honest, I think there's just gonna be so many va- there's gonna be so much vacated production that he'll have to because Kiki Kuti is their slot guy, but for some reason he just it doesn't doesn't get used. I don't really know why Will Fuller. I mean, yeah, he'll have 45 points in one fantasy game. We'll say to trade him. No one will. He'll be out the rest of the season. And Kenny Stills just dropped the ball on every single opportunity he had last year. So I think Cobb will – I think they're going to add a guy with that 40th pick in the draft. I think a couple of guys are falling due to injury, like T. Higgins, LaVisca, Chenault. But I think Randall Cobb will be a wide receiver three next year in fantasy. Um, it'll be tough for me to rank him in my wide receiver 35 to 40 range, but I think I'm going to have to. Um, it's kind of like Larry Fitz last year and every single year, the last couple of years, you have to rank him there because he's going to see 100 targets. So I think Cobb's kind of in that similar spot. 
I totally agree. He's a great, you know, wide receiver four or wide receiver three. If you go running back heavy or something like that, where he'll, he'll be consistent. He'll get his numbers. I don't think he's going to score a ton of touchdowns, um, but I think he will kind of do the Julian Edelman, uh, Jarvis Landry PPR move. I think Fitz is a good comparison there. So we'll see. It was just kind of a confusing move. I just, I, I know that obviously they get rid of um, Nuke Hopkins, but you know, at the time they could have potentially brought in, Stephon Diggs. Uh, they could have brought in Robbie Anderson, who's still floating around out there. I personally think we haven't heard about Robbie Anderson, at least per this podcast. I do think that he's potentially going to Houston. Um, they had made a mention. Everybody's given um, Bill O'Brien a ton of shit on uh, Twitter and whatnot because of these moves and things. But he also mentioned that there's a couple players who haven't passed physicals yet because of the coronavirus. They're not able to travel where they need to. They're not able to see the particular physicians that they have to to get things covered. So there's still some pending moves that might be like word of mouth, hand shook, done, but we don't know about them because they're not official. I personally think uh, another receiver to uh, Houston might be one of them. And I, I just think that Robbie Anderson makes the most sense. Uh, of course, there's a number of places he could fit now. Minnesota, I think would be great. Anyway, um, I, I just don't think the Texans are done at wide receiver. I totally agree with you. They could definitely make some uh, rookie moves in the draft. This is just kind of a head scratcher, man. I mean, I don't have anything against Randall Cobb. Great career in Green Bay. Did just fine in Dallas the last couple of years. But um, I don't know. It just didn't make sense. I think that they have two other guys who are Randall Cobb. So I thought they, they could have other, other options there. And I agree with you, man. Deshaun Watson, unfortunately, he's one of my favorite players in the league. Love him as a fantasy quarterback the last couple of years. I was devastated when the 49ers didn't draft him. Um, but uh, he is plummeting in my fantasy uh, rankings for quarterbacks. He's still going to get his because he runs the ball and he'll probably, I mean, he'll be a top 10 quarterback, but I don't think he has that upside to be top five uh, right now unless they were to fill that gap. So big one there for the Texans. Uh, Randall Cobb, three years, 27 million. Of course, they do move on from New Hopkins to the Cardinals, bring in David Johnson. We're going to break all that down on the next episode. We're going to get into the Titans here. We got two uh, moves here, basically just keeping everybody in house with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Um, this is this seemed automatic from the beginning. We we know that uh, the Titans, um, so they re-sign uh, Ryan Tannehill for four years, hundred and eighteen million. It's insane. Uh, then they go and uh, franchise tag Derrick Henry, of course, at twelve and a half. This makes a lot of sense for the Titans. Um, I know Derrick Henry's pissed. I would be too. Uh, Ryan Tannehill terribly overpaid, in my opinion, um, but it makes sense for the Titans in general. Tannehill takes over for Mariota. Cinderella story runs seven and three, beats the Patriots, beats the Ravens. Had a chance against the Chiefs, but gets upended just before the Super Bowl. Had a great run last year that could potentially repeat that this year with another year of AJ Brown and that defense um, and clearing cap space, getting rid of Deion Lewis and whatnot. So the Titans, I think, as a franchise, are in a great position with these moves. Fantasy wise, not super stoked on Ryan Tannehill. And I think Derrick Henry just is where you thought he was. He's going to be overdrafted, in my opinion, and not really be Derrick Henry until the last six games of the season. But nonetheless, I think this is a good move in general for the Titans. We're going to end it off on a good hot take here. Um, Derrick Henry will hold out this offseason. He will. Well, I agree. He will, not, he will not play under a franchise tag. This man carried this team throughout the playoffs, said he was going to take nothing less of Zeke money, and then didn't even get – anything got a, I mean I got a franchise so obviously he's getting paid for this year but 
post this year, he's going to be 28. No team is going to pay him. After what we just saw with Todd Gurley, what we've seen with the whole Zeke thing play out, Zeke might even be having – Zeke has an out of, out, of, out of his contract after age 27. The, the, he won't play unless he gets a contract, and the Titans I don't think are going to give him one. Obviously, they just paid for Nick Foles Jr. and Ryan Tannehill, same type of scenario that I hope doesn't happen, but I, I definitely could. I mean, the, the team was so efficient – like on an unreal level that there's no way it can it can happen again. I mean, like, I don't even want to say, yeah, it could, because it just seriously, well, like I obviously look at the numbers and stuff with it, but it's not going to happen again. This team will take a regression step, and now they just lost Jack Conklin. We saw what happened with Todd Gurley when the Rams lost Andrew Whitworth. It just all took a big downhill fall because they paid um, the quarterback, which is Goff, now Tannehill, and they – they eventually paid Gurley, but I don't think the Titans will do that. So I, th- I think he's going to hold out. I, I don't see a reason why he would play. I mean, unless he knows that he's not going to get paid by anyone else and he just goes and tears it up one more year. But there's no way that I'm drafting Derrick Henry again this year. I think that's a smart move, and I totally agree with you. Ryan Tannehill being the Titans quarterback after what he did, I think he earned a contract. But the type of money that he got, a $100 million deal, I just don't think he's worth that. 62 of that guaranteed, $91 million fully guaranteed with incentives and whatnot. Um, Tannehill did somehow lead, uh, lead the NFL with um, 9.6 yards per attempt, which is quite impressive. It's basically a, a first down per attempt passing, um, and QBR at 17 and a half. So he got it done. He was incredibly efficient, 70.3 completion percentage, um, which is you know similar to, to Breeze um, and uh, Kirk Cousins and actually Derek Carr was up there too. But uh, I just again I totally agree with you. I don't I don't see Derrick Henry playing for less than what he deserves. And a lot of times running backs like Le'Veon Bell, for example get this mentality of like, I'm the running back. I put up all these stats. I'm the beast. I'm the dude on the team. In Le'Veon Bell's situation, that was not totally true because of what Big Ben and what uh, Antonio Brown were able to do for those teams as well. He goes to the Jets. We see what happened. Shit hit the fan. With Derrick Henry, he's literally (laughs) 80% of the reason that the Titans were where they were at. And Ryan Tannehill was basically the game manager and he did a great job in doing that. Um, But you know, he's just, I think a lot of quarterbacks could have done what Ryan Tannehill did. And I'm not hating on him. I'm not hating on the move by the Titans to keep him in NFL, but for fantasy, I agree with you. This could be a mess. And if he pulls a, a, uh, Le'Veon Bell, which is a full season. Uh, we've seen Zeke do it. Uh, we saw Melvin Gordon do it last year. And he just missed the first, first four games. And right now, the Titans getting rid of Deion Lewis, they don't have an Austin Eckler in the week, you know, trying to take Derrick Henry's job per se. But it's going to be interesting to see what they actually do because if Derrick Henry holds out, they don't have anybody on the roster. So they're kind of handcuffed themselves. Derrick Henry knows that. But at the same time, Derrick Henry could come back, say, four games, six games rusty. We saw what happened to uh, Melvin Gordon last year. He was terribly inefficient until the middle of the season. So that could hurt everybody involved. And then even if he does that and Derrick Henry isn't Derrick Henry of the last two years, next year when he's trying to get paid, he's going to fucking blow his own stock. So I agree with you, dude. I don't – I think it's a hot take now because we're fresh into free agency and all this is kind of like unraveling. 
I don't think that's terribly a hot take in like three months when all this shit actually shakes out. I think that's a great perspective to bring up now. And in Dynasty, um, would you recommend, get out, get depending on the can. load, well, uh, I would say sell um, Derrick Henry at this point if you could because he's coming off of one of the most incredible running back seasons of all time. His stock is the highest it's ever going to be. If you had him in Dynasty, would you be trying to to sell the sell him and and gain a bunch of pieces? Like, what, what do you redraft? I mean, yeah. he's going to be a, a first round pick in all formats because of what he's done, and that's just the general public of what's going to happen. Dynasty wise, though, let's give maybe a little bit more uh, perspective on on what you think there. Yeah, I mean, you just got to get out while you can with it. I mean, you shouldn't have a twenty eight year old running back on your team anyways with that kind of value attached to him. Uh, it's just how dynasty is. You got to just churn running backs, build around receivers and quarterbacks. Um, so just, I don't know, trade them. Even even if you just got one first, you have to think about it that way. Like one rookie first round pick, or a top notch one. Like he, even, obviously he's not, I don't know. It's just, you have to sell it while you can because the value is so high right now. Um, and then if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But he's still 28. He's still only maybe two years left in his prime. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not a really big fan of him anyways. So to where I wouldn't have him on any teams, but if you have him, just get out while you can. Of course, all the people who had Derrick Henry, who uh, he basically single-handedly won fantasy championships last year are laughing at us, but I 100% agree with you there. So that wraps it up, man. Titans re-signed quarterback Ryan Tannehill, four years, $118 million, $91 million fully guaranteed. That would be plenty of money for me. I would be able to feed my family no problem and uh, eat delicious food. So that would be fine for, for me. Derrick Henry franchise tag running back 12 and a half million. They got to move those numbers around significantly quickly. If I think they want to keep both of them healthy. And that'll wrap it up for episode 183 of the candlestick kids fantasy podcast, the free agency recap for the AFC side of the NFL. If you aren't following us on social medias, um, we're on all avenues, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook to search the candlestick kids. And then on Twitter at TCK underscore pod follow us on youtube subscribe down below hit the like button if you haven't or on apple Podcasts, spotify or stitcher the candlestick kids fantasy football podcast i'm lucas caser that's sky Glasgow, and we are out of here thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.